welcome to the Atlanta Tennis Podcast. Every episode is titled, It Starts With Tennis and Goes From There. We talk with coaches, club managers, industry business professionals, technology experts, and anyone else we find interesting. We want to have a conversation as long as it starts with tennis. Hey, hey, this is Sean with the Atlanta Tennis Podcast, powered by Go Tennis. Check out our calendar of Metro Atlanta tennis events at letsgotennis.com, where you can also find deals on equipment, apparel, and members get 10% off our shop. So go get yourself an Atlanta Tennis Monsters shirt before everyone else does. I've got mine. I wear it all the time. In this episode, we talk to Joel Ballantyne, founder of the first flexible scheduled tennis league in Atlanta, known as T2. Joel even tells us where the name T2 came from. Have a listen and let us know what you think. You figured out how to create one of the largest tennis entities in the country. So I'd love to hear, and I, like I said, this is kind of my lead in to get you to say, hi, I'm Joel. Um, I'd, I'd love to hear who you are and what you do. And so tell us about Joel Ballantyne. Well, your question was, who are you and why does, why does Atlanta care? Yeah. Joel Ballantyne and I don't think they really do. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, yeah, I started T2, which is hard to believe, more than 20 years ago. Um, I'll give you a little bit of the, but anyway, I'm just, um, I I founded the company. I still am involved in it, work with it a fair amount, Um, but I'm not the day-to-day person. We have a whole staff of people that work with us and we have a an awesome staff of people that work with us from, you know, accounting to, um, but our, our customer service staff, which is the biggest group of people, but they they, they really do a good job and, and, um, and really take care of our customers pretty well. But we started T2. Um, I think the first actual league was in 2001, if I recall, and it was a juniors league. Um, so the very first league that we, that we put out was a juniors league. And, um, um, and then, um, then we started with rolling it out to mostly to women, women's doubles leagues, and only around Alpharetta, um, only around the, the northern suburbs of, uh, of Atlanta. And then we scrapped the entire website and rewrote everything and, um, and, and rebuilt the website, which we've done a couple of times now. Um, um, because the original format of, um, the original format of T2 really didn't work, but it's where the name came from, believe it or not. (laughs) The original, the original format was juniors played in a kind of like a a tiny little mini Davis cup type format where they played you and you and your, another kid would be a partner and they would play, they were play, um, doubles against another team one week and then play singles against them the next week. And that failed miserably. <laughs> so um, they, they just couldn't get it, couldn't get it figured out. It was incredibly hard to schedule, et cetera. And then we um, rolled out the junior singles league and then the, the women's doubles leagues only, only around um, Alpharetta. And then from there, we started just building, um, splitting the women's league into two, into working women and non-working women, which we call business women and weekday women. And um and then rolled out um men's doubles um mixed doubles singles 
um, throughout the years, which is in, in a in a um, in a probably a pretty organized um, process that we did it. We didn't do it all at one time. We really built built a following with our core leagues, which were were doubles until we got that really established and really established in certain pockets and certain areas of town before we even rolled it out to different parts of Atlanta, et cetera. So, um, which was, which was pretty important for our success. Similar to the success of Alta back in the seventies and eighties, where it really was a humble beginning. Right. Where it was, we, we do this one thing. We do this one thing. Well, we tried something else. It, did, it, it didn't, it wasn't great, but we found the thing that does work. and do it here and then slowly grow it. Where I think a lot of people come in and they wanna, they have this take over the world mentality and they just assume everybody's gonna jump on board. Right, and it, it never works. Um, um, you, you have, it, you know, it just, you know, fortunately we were kind of at the right place at the right time as well, during the, the, the first Flux League um, for doubles in, in, um, in Atlanta and kind of filled a, um, filled a niche, if you will, in, in Atlanta. And, um, but you know, you can't, you can't roll it out across the whole, the whole Metro area. You can't roll it across, across all levels until you have, um, um, enough people or the scale to really, to be able to do it. We really did. I mean, this 20 years ago, when we were first starting it out, we had, you know, we, you know, we thought, um, you know, anything past exit 10 on 400 was, you know, was, <laughs> was so far away that you couldn't, you, no one would ever drive it. It still is. What are you talking about? <laughs> exactly. Um, so um, people drive there, but that's, and, and that's a, that's now kind of a hub. I mean, I, I jokingly say it still is really far out there, but the, the tennis, I'm curious about your, do you have a map of where most of your people, I don't know any league that actually does this. Maybe it doesn't exist, but where, where most of your players actually live. Yeah, I can, um, um, you know, I'll, I'll, in, within our software, we have all the whole, all these mapping tools that are completely automated online. And it's kind of, it's how we do, um, it's, you know, we use when we, when we create schedules for the players, it's all done on a, on a total, on a mapping system. That makes sense. I guess I'm curious to see like one of those maps with the red and the orange and the, like where most people are. Yeah, I can, um, I don't know if I can show it or not. Oh, that'd be cool. Just because I'm curious, I think I think we have these ideas of where tennis is played. And you mentioned exit 10 up 400. I'm hearing rumors is the wrong word, but we believe now there's a bit of that North Atlanta. Is there are there actually more tennis players in certain areas? Well, I, okay, that's that's interesting. I can I I I don't know if I because the the map the actual mapping software is on a different it's on a different laptop, um, but um, but anyway, um, the one thing I do remember is, and somewhere I saved a picture. I have to go. I'd have to. We don't have time today for me to go look through my archives, but I saved a picture of a map from back in like 2005 or something like that. And somewhere I have it. I'd, I'd have to go look for it. But the difference in from 2005 to today, and it's you can. You know, we would probably be a great example to show how real estate has developed in Atlanta and where it's where it's moved because you know our our league is played on predominantly swimming tennis neighborhoods, right? And so you can see the migration of Atlanta and how and the migration of Atlanta has gone north, very north. And it's gone more. Um, so if you look at the, the population of the map, 
um, it's really gone north and it's gone probably more, it seems like, and I'm probably going to offend some people, but it seems like it's gone more up the 400 corridor than it has um, the 75 and 85 corridor, even though, even though that's grown a lot as well. But it's really interesting because when I look at a map when we first started, uh, again, I wish I, I'll, wish I could probably go find it. I know I have it somewhere, but um, um, when, when we first started, literally exit 10 on 400, was the end was that was where the world was flat you would fall off <laughs> so, and um i mean that was where the world of atlanta ended and then if you went up 75 to about um split between 575 and 75 that was really kind of the end of atlanta if you will and up 85 a little bit to like about where chateau alon is but even but quite a bit probably sugarloaf was probably the, as far out as it went. So if you think of that arc across the top of Atlanta from like maybe Sugarloaf to about Old Milton Parkway on 400 over to the, um, um, like that split of 75 and 575, that was really kind of the end of Atlanta with like, let's say that Old Milton Parkway would have been the top of the map. Today, that's about the middle of the um today that's probably about yeah it's about the middle of 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 the map um um so um anyway so that's um a little bit of the like i said we'd be a pretty good story we could show you how the migration of atlanta real estate's been developed because that's where tennis is played and i'll bet that's very proprietary and very valuable information so i'll allow you to share that with me and bobby separately <laughs> don't have to share it with everybody just us but I'd love to see that migration because that'd be that'd be really cool to see. Bobby's always talking up 400, up 400. That that felt like where tennis really is. I think you have the map to prove it. Right. You know, and it continues. I mean, just um, I live up on um, Lake Lanier, so I live quite a bit further north. And um, um, and they just opened exit 18 last week. On uh, so now there's a new exit on 400. That's even so now it's taking it up even further. So I mean. It's, it's still kind of a traffic mess, but they um, but um, but they opened exit 18. So now there's no longer a stoplight there. It, it, it moves up and they've moved it up another five or six miles of freeway. And you're different from Alta. Do you have that? Alta has that core five counties and they don't go within you know too far past that. We have people playing all the way from Gainesville um, into um, they, they will get divided somewhere sometimes. Um, east or west, depending on, but probably Gainesville and the on that side of, um, um, and then when if you go up like seventy five, I know there's people um, I can't remember the names, but you know it's it's quite a ways up there, up you know past Lake Altoona and that way all the way up. But you know we have people register every once in a while all the way from Athens, um, and they're some you know so sometimes we can't get them in but a lot of what we'll do when we're what we'll do is we have a, a a function in our software that can allow a team to be um we can either ask them to move to a closer in court and we'll try to get them in we'll do that sometimes and we also have the function to make them a travel team which they will do sometimes if they're too far out but all of their matches will be away i just had a genius idea where you have a team that only plays away matches because they're too far away have you thought of that we have that. <laughs> we we did think of that. And I so just we, have that idea. It's, it's genius. 
and some people will, will do it because they just, they want to play. And, and so we can accommodate them if they're willing to um, play all their matches away. And they understand it. Usually they say, you know, this is, we live, we know we don't live in the, in the core part of where, but we want to play and we'll, we'll continue to do it. So, and especially in juniors, the junior parents will do it generally almost all the time. If they, if they're, if they're living further out to get their kids to play. Yeah. I think the, there's a market there as well. I know Bobby's got some questions about uh, about some junior tennis, and I think Bobby, you wanted to ask about his his beginnings. He mentioned earlier that, uh, sorry, Joe, you mentioned earlier that the the junior version failed. Bobby was telling me that he he'd heard also that that didn't work. That was the very first product of T two, which was, and again, I think I didn't finish that, but that's where the name actually came from T2 because it was kind of a mini Davis cup format where kids would play doubles one week and then they'd turn around and play singles the next week. And then, but it was that, that concept never, uh, never took off. It was kind of too hard to schedule and that kind of stuff, but that's where the name T2 came from. It was teams of two is what T2 actually stands for. Ah, <laughs> so um, and so T. That's so that's the, what actually what T two is was named after as teams of two, and then we so then we quickly rolled out double, so it still works. <laughs> but I love the and I think what Sean was saying. I, it's almost funny that we've gone full circle because now I am a big when you first started. I was like, ah, I've always been a fan of the ladies. The ladies have always driven the tennis boat in my eyes in this city. The ladies will take the first to take the lessons. If they enjoy you and they trust you, they will present their children to you. And after their children, they'll go back to their husband and say, you know, this guy's not that bad. He's kind of funny. He'll talk about baseball and football. You might want to give him a try. And that's how you build your business. And you know, I, I think obviously T2 is firmly entrenched with the ladies and the guys who take advantage of it from the flexibility standpoint, love it. The, the big thing being in a high, being very involved with the high school coaches I feel that that level player is a great drill player, doesn't get enough matches. They don't want to play tournaments. They're, and as we're, the more we're doing these podcasts and talking to people in the industry, there's a real void for the idea of teams. You, you talk to a lot of ex-college players, a lot of profession, ex-professional players, they miss the camaraderie or they want the camaraderie associated with teams. And, you know, that's where I, where, you know, where we're looking at saying, okay, there's how do we get those high school kids who are used to playing with a group on the court more playing matches because they're, they're not as competitive as we were. So they don't like playing against each other, but they will play T2 now to the end of time. I know one of the questions that you guys wanted to get to is, you know, if, I, if, we, were, if we could change anything in the tennis industry, what would it be? I'll come back to that. <laughs> to exactly what you're talking about when we when we get to that <laughs> well and you brought up another great one it, which it, as sean said i'm a big believer the 400 corridor you probably have the evidence to present to the truest or the atlanta open to say this is where your core player is and yet there's so much resistance to moving that tournament and i get it when one thing was it was truest and the building was right behind you but that's not the case anymore and considering they're on temporary courts, why don't they move the temporary courts to exit 10 and make it a, something in conjunction with Avalon and sell that thing out? Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's interesting. I, I like that tournament and I, and I really enjoyed going, but since they moved it downtown, I've never been again. Yeah. I, I, I went to it probably every year when it was out uh, where it used to, it used to be at, um, 
what, what's it called? Um, it's Lifetime now. It used to be called Rack Club of the South. It was there and it was at Atlanta Athletic Club. I probably went every year when it was there and I really enjoyed it. But when it, since they moved to downtown, I, I haven't gone probably a little bit out of laziness, but it's just difficult, you know, it's to, to get down there. And, you know, it's, it's a pretty good hike for me to get down there. Um, and so if the, um, anyway, I kind of miss it. I always enjoyed the tournament. So I got to meet um, um, Isner um, one, one time and he's literally a foot and a half taller than I am. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and I and I all I remember is I got a medium and I sat um, pretty close to the court when I was watching him play and watched how great a doubles partner he would be because he fills the entire box of um, of the doubles of whatever side he's on on the on the on the doubles court. I was just watching that, but anyway, we regress. So, Sean, did you guys get into, and I apologize, I couldn't pull it up for the majority of my trip back. You're talking about how good a tennis player Joel is. I know. This is not just... Joel, likes to, Joel likes to be in the shadows. So he didn't start out and say, hey, I'm Joel, and I'm a very great tennis player. And then he doesn't, he doesn't operate that way. So, Joel, Bobby, Bobby tells me you could play. You mentioned in your bio that you played in high school, went to the University of Nebraska. Did you play in college? I I walked on for one semester and got um, got completely beat up, <laughs> embarrassed, you know. Um, um, and and I um, and I think my dad at that point said, "I think it's probably time that you maybe go a little more time into books and, and study." But I, I um, you know, I, I walked on. I probably wasn't going to make the team, but I got a hit. Um, hit with I knew the. Uh, one of their players pretty well who I played with, with as a junior quite a bit and um, and the coach and et cetera. I was kind of a sparring partner for the team. But Nebraska is division one, right? Yeah. So walking on and hitting with those guys is no small feat. I'm going to, uh, I'm going to date myself here, but you know, way back when that was, you know um, when I was in college, when they didn't have, you know, just, you know, electricity was just came out and all that kind of stuff. But um when I start, that's when they started recruiting guys from Europe um, um, pretty heavily. And the kids that came over from Europe were basically professionals coming over here to play. And so um, us, you know, small town Nebraska guys who played tennis on, um, you know, a city park with with all my buddies, um, I, I wasn't going to make it. But I hit with them a little bit. It was fun. And then um, then I then I kind of actually stopped playing for um, a while during the college years. Yeah, that's not true. I played, I, I played like in the intramural, they didn't have club tennis back in those days, but you had intramural. So I played that, um, some amount, fair amount of that. It was fun. Um, I think I won a t-shirt. <laughs> well, I enjoyed reading your bio, Joel, because usually I'm the brunt of the old age jokes. So I was like, well, we're, we're relatively close in age. And I figured I could probably narrow it down if I, I just went through a history of Nebraska football so, you know, as far as how do you feel about Turner Gill and, you know, the fumble Ruski? So I was like, okay, we can get, we can get close to when he graduated <laughs> from college just by what he references with Nebraska. Cause yeah, you guys were pretty good back then at football. They were really good back in those days. Um, it was fun. It's kind of been sad to see what, you know, now we're the poster child for hiring bad coaches, I think, but, um, um, or I don't know if they're bad coaches, but it hasn't worked, but um, it hasn't worked. Yeah. It hasn't worked. But, it, you know, it's, you know, yeah, I, I think I, I said as a joke, and which is a true story, is I went to every home game from when I was probably about six or seven years old 
till I graduated from till I left college. Um, and and I, that's a true story. I didn't miss a single game and um, um, every home game. And so, yeah, they were really good back in those days. That was, you know, the Tom Osborne era when they were, I think that my daughter um, went to Alabama and she, she graduated you know, around 10 years ago, eight years ago, something like that. But, you know, Nebraska was kind of the Alabama of college football. When she, and then when she went, she kind of experienced the same thing that, that I went through and it had been in a different, in a different world, but they were, you know, I think, Every year I was in school, they were ranked number one at one point. So it was fun, but, you know, times change. <laughs> and you mentioned your daughter. You have, I, haven't, I haven't asked about family kids. You said they've been married 30-something years. And I, my, I've been married for way longer than anyone should probably put up with me. But um, <laughs> um, for 37, you know, I have a uh, daughter. She's uh, a nurse at Scottish Rite for um, uh, Children's Health Care of Atlanta. And have a brand new grandson. His name is Graham, and he's he's ten months old. And um, um, last night I was actually the official babysitter because I, when they have me babysit, and uh, and her husband is when they've reached the bottom of the list that no one else, no one else in the family will is available will do it. And they said, okay, we'll get Grandpa to do it. We'll get Dad to do it. And so I, so I got to spend the night with him last night. It was uh, it was most enjoyable. So yeah, so I have I just have one daughter and um. Um, then my, uh, I still my my parents and family still lives lives in Nebraska. Um, Congratulations on on the grandson. That's fantastic. Did your daughter play tennis? I mean, the kids yeah, grow up does. in the tennis world, right? Um, she does play tennis. She and both her and her husband do. They play um, mixed get mixed together. Um, do they play T two? Oh yeah. Do they get free access because they know somebody, or they still got to pay like everybody else? I make her pay, I think. Ah, there you go. <laughs> I I don't know for sure. I think she probably um, goes through the back door and gets a hold of one of our one of our staff and says, "Hey, this is um, this is this is <laughs> make this uh, go away." <laughs> but um, no, she actually um, she just asked me a question. She just met a new friend. Actually, she met someone on an Alta team um, last season, and they're they're playing T two together um, this coming season. It starts next week, so. Yeah, nice. it happens all the time. Well, what does uh, Bobby and I talk about this a lot when we talk to when we talk to, I say people like you and industry insiders, people who know Atlanta really well. And I'm curious about T2 and Ultimate, because in combination, you're the make sure I get this right. The second largest entity in the country next to the USTA. Is that correct? From what we know, yeah, from a number of participation and et cetera going on that we're, um, um, you know, the, the combination of the, of us two is probably the second largest tennis entity of recreational tennis players in, in the U.S. That play, that play in leagues. And you're looking at the multiple hundreds of thousands just from the website numbers of, of that level of participation. Is there anything, I'm curious, I, I don't, I put, putting you on the spot a little bit to say, is there anything that that you would need? What is what is an entity that large? Like we have lots of ideas as to what USTA needs. A lot of a lot of the complaints there are top down. But it sounds like you are doing really well. The last we spoke, you've got a solid customer service team. You get a lot of a lot of helpful people on your staff because that's a lot of what this business is, and people probably forget that. But is there something where the where are the things that you might expand to? What do you have any ideas on? Maybe what's next for T2? I feel like I'm jumping into this early, but I'd love to know if 
if there's a if there's a target is there a vision for the next five years or does it just do what it does um we only go into markets where we know that we can um, provide a good product and and um and a good you know and that we will and and there's a need um and and there's also in the flex league you know our leagues are are flexible scheduling leagues it takes a pretty big tennis market for it to actually work to begin with, because, um, you know, there's people that come and go and, um, you know, that don't play every season and that type of thing. So it takes you a, a, usually a pretty large metro area um, for it, um, for it to be supported because it's, it's very, it's, it's operated very differently than, than the team leagues. If you, um, but um, so what's next is um, um, currently we're, is it, we're, we're making some improvements to the websites. There's actually the um, both websites are being rewritten again. Um, and that's um, probably to the player, to our customers. That's not a, that's not really that big a deal. But, um, but you know, um, it's time because some of our software is 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 operated on on older platforms. and You just have to do that every once in a while. So that's that's a pretty big deal to us. Um, is upgrading the, the the core software that it's running on, and then that that will take us out for the next ten years or so, and we'll be done with that. We'll be done with that on on more technology. And one of the things that will be an advantage to players is is a lot more mobile friendly. Um, both both the Ultimate and T two websites are semi mobile friendly now. They work they work fine on iPhones. They work phone, fine on phones and tablets and stuff. But the software was not written in in mobile friendly um, um we've, we've adapted it as best we can but now we need to take it to another level so that's being worked on behind the scenes right now um and and it's it's a it's a big project it's but it's it's something that need, needed to be done again that's not something that the players will will see in, in an immediate impact but once we get the you know the mobile stuff they'll be able to it'll be it'll be more user-friendly on on phones and, and, and that that type of thing so that's that's going on as far as expansion goes we'd opened um, philadelphia a year ago two years ago of course right no, it was a little it was before that because we opened we opened philadelphia as a market which is as far north as we we've ever gone um and of course then the pandemic came right out and our timing was was great but but, but that's <laughs> um but that um that's gone pretty well um we continue to do a lot of um, um growth and marketing work and etc in in, our, in all of our florida markets um, um and that that continues to be um 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 a good a good product and a, and a um you know in a, a big challenge down all the florida markets we operate those don't know um, in probably every city in Florida, um, every major city from Jacksonville to the whole Southwest coast from Tampa, all the way down through Fort Myers, um, um, Miami, Orlando, um, et cetera. So that, that continues. And, you know, the, the whole Southwest Florida has been a, has been a, has been a challenge this last year because of what happened with the hurricane, hurricane Ian, because we, we lost a ton of tenant um, you know a ton of tennis courts down there you know there it's almost all clay and all the clay courts are out in the middle of the gulf now <laughs> so, yeah, just, Fort Myers is not the same 150 mile an hour winds just takes that takes that clay um stuff and just sweeps it right out into the right out into the ocean um so 
So, Sean, since we have really good questions, I just want to give, and I apologize if you went over it, but I doubt you did because, as Sean told me last night, he said, Joel, you're the second most unidentifiable person on the web next to me. He said, there's two pictures of Joel. He said, which, you know, compared to, I said, no, I, my daughter's 17. I said, we take one a year. So there's probably at least 10 pictures of me on the web. But, and, and if you listen to any of our podcasts, you'll hear repeatedly, we've been, you and I have been in the same space for 25 years together. I, I've referenced everybody, the only company that I've seen successful and sustainable with an outside tennis idea has been T2. T2 is the model for how to be successful. And I know you guys were touching on it as I was walking in about the slow growth, which was, you know, contrary to what most people do and obviously unbelievable successful. But I love the little things you did through the years when we would talk and say, okay, so how are you marketing? You, you do the majority of your marketing was loyalty marketing. So you went out and bought a t-shirt firm and a tchotchke firm to be able to do that you're the majority you're, you're imposing you know, not the traditional things that you think of so you've always been so ahead of everybody in that capacity which again speaks to how well you do and that's why we're so interested in seeing where you think it goes but the other one that early on i remember you did surveys everybody thought the driving was going to be the big thing that people would were going to rebut but your survey said what? I, I remember clear, you know, and I might be wrong, but I remember that you came back and said, no, it was, it was sandbagging was the, the the number one thing that people identified about that they didn't like. And you guys have a great, you know, always bit if you get a sandbagger, you're not going to last real long in T2 at that level. Right. Um, I'd say sandbagging was was probably a subset of what we heard from our players, um, which was it's kind of a subset, but playing at the correct level. Yeah. And, and, um, and, and, you know, people will miss level. Some people will miss level on purpose. <laughs> um, um, you know, it's, it's a fact of life that it happens. Um, and, but so one of the things that we did, this was um, years and years ago. So, okay. So we just kind of followed a leveling men methodology, if you will. But then when we, when we did survey, and we did talk to a lot of players, and this was a long time ago, and realized how important playing at the correct level is. That's when we got kind of scientific about it and went in and, and, and wrote into our software our leveling mentality, which now is kind of um, has been adopted in many different ways. And some people have tried to use it and we've had to tell them that they can't. But, you know, we we basically now mathematically correct uh, mathematically calculate everyone's performance from a season to season and and so um so how it works is you can self-level for the first season and after that then our software takes over and levels you and it's worked out and it works you know we have literally more than millions of matches of data to from which to go back and, and correctly level people and, and 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 the other thing we can do which if people ask us um, and by the way, when we do our rewrite, this is another thing that we're going to do is we're going to make it easier for you to inquire about the right level. Um, even, so making it taking it one step further, but you can ask us and you can we can find if you if you give us some friends or something that we can tell you where they're competitive at and where to plug you in um, as well. So so leveling was was something that we wrote into our software years and years ago that has has worked and does continues to work extremely well.
Um, and so we're moving through the level. And the other thing that it allowed us to do, which is pretty unique to T2 and to Ultimate, and this has to do with numbers of people that makes it work as well, is we're the ones that started and continue to have the half levels. So we can make our, make our leveling more granular. So we, you know, we, we adopted by name the, the, the NTRP, the, you know, 3035, et cetera, but we're the, we, we actually started the half levels, which is 35 minus 30 minus, you know, um, so, you know, which makes it more granular. Um, and so we have, is it 11 levels or 12 levels? Can't remember. Um, so anyway, 11 or 12 levels that people will, will, you can graduate up or you can move your way down too. Um, it, um, but, um, and I think we're the only one that can actually fill the half levels and make it work, um, which puts people even closer in a closer, um, in a, in a closer competitive with each other. So that's worked really well. And ultimate has, um, um, you know, it's, it was interesting that Ultimate and, um, did, very, did a very similar calculation effort, and that was actually before the two of us came together as one company. So you've had amazing success doing that, and the USDA kind of went in the other direction, where they used, you have to get, used to have to get rated to get on a USDA team, because they looked at their numbers compared to Alta and said, well, we're going to let people self-rate. Now, they do track better than Alta does during the season for that reason. But it's astonishing to me that, again, you have the empirical data that shows this is important to people. And yet, a, you know, an organization running the sport went a different direction. We constantly talk to our customers about what's important to them and try to try to provide that in our products. You know, I can give you another example. Um, um, one time it was mentioned that that the quote, individual leagues or flex leagues, you play the same people over and over. And I said, and we said, really, no, that's not true because there's there's so many different people playing. So then what we did is, so you know what? That's something that we should put into our software. So now when we schedule people, um, we look at a division before it gets published to the player. And we can tell you how many times you played that, um, how many times you played that um, that opponent. And if it's too many, we move you to a different division. People don't even know we do that. Um, and so it's it's part of our software that says um, we can check for how many times you played a du how many times you've duplicated this match, and if it's too many, we'll move you. Or, or even if it was just last season, we'll, um, if, if, um, because you know when we do scheduling, when we put people's schedules together, it's done by level and geography, right? We try to put people in divisions of, in the same part of town at the same level. You know, that's what we do. Um, so sometimes you know you're gonna put the same people together but so we put into our software an ability to scramble them around to make sure that they aren't playing the same people over and over that was another thing that was brought up to a brought up to us through just talking to our customers but talking to customers isn't that wild usda are you listening yeah <laughs> out there you're listening talking to customers wow that's it yeah <laughs> to, to all defense this is one of the things that um, people will bring up to us and we have to explain it to them on leveling <clears throat> T2 is an individual league. You know, we, we keep track of you two as partners together or you individually, and you'll have your own individual ratings as a team. And we keep track. So if you, if you have, if you're playing T2 with three different partners, like, like um, we keep track of you three, those three teams individually. Um, and that's all part of our, part of our software, but Alta 
And people will say, well, this person's playing B5 Alta, but they're playing, you know, they shouldn't be playing this level in T2 or vice versa, um, right? But people, what we when we explain it to them, then they, then, ah, no, I didn't think about that. Alta is a team league. Yeah. And you're being rated as a team, not as an individual. And so from that perspective, it's, you can't, it's not an apples to apples comparison. So there can be a 3-0 person on an Alta team and a 4-0 person. And that's perfectly legit. And one will probably play line one and one will probably play line five. But in T2, you're ranked, you're rated and you're leveling, you're leveled as an individual, not as a team. And so Alta's whole teams move up and whole, whole teams move down and whole teams are put together. There's some individual rating on it, but generally it's rated as a team, not as an individual. And that's perfectly okay. And once, one of the things I think is good about Alta is it allows people of different abilities to be on the same team socially, and that's, and that's good. But it doesn't work for an individual team. So that's why we have to rate people individually, if that makes sense. And so those were some of the things that we asked. And drive time, um, by the way, was another one that came up is, you know, and that's what's that's what's really important. And what's great about T2 is that we have since we have enough uh, such a, a large scale people playing, you're going to play people of your same level pretty much in the same part of the same part of town. And, um, you know, the higher up the levels you get, sometimes it gets a little bit more of a challenge. But um, um, but generally speaking, you know, that's. You know, people say, I don't want to, I don't want to um, drive an hour to play a tennis match. And we respect that. And we, we understand that. And I especially don't want to play drive an hour to go play a tennis match that's not competitive. <laughs> <laughs> and is what people tell us and that, you know, so um, we, we get that as well. So when you combine geography and leveling together in a pretty, in a, in a pretty good mix, then, then, then it all works. We've got some questions offline. We want to talk about uh, an idea Bobby's working on because uh, it sounds like your software is able to plug in as long as the market's already there. Again, you mentioned uh, how thoughtful, and I would use the word mindful when you expand and very, very mindful of what's next because a lot of, a lot of companies will jump into the next thing or like I said, have this take over the world mentality, kind of a universal tennis point of view. Uh, we're kind of missing the idea of listening to the customer, which you seem to be doing really well. Um, what what benefits T2? What's the what's the thing that from from an already established point of view, we'll focus on Metro Atlanta because that's the majority of our market. What's the what's the thing that helps T2 grow the most and do what it does? You've got your algorithmic system. I don't know if it's an algorithm yet, but you've got your your ability and your software to make it as good as you can. Are you still in the word of mouth? I don't see a lot of advertising. What, what helps you the most? By far is our, who can tell our story the best is our customers, right? Uh, and, um, you know, one of the, one of the things that um, we put in, um, which I don't know if you've ever even seen it is we, we do, most of our marketing comes from um, players telling other players about play we have a, um, a a program within that our customers use all the time that we give away amazon gift cards um so if, if you if you um if you um, refer a player when they sign up you would you you get a um, you would get a 20 dollars amazon gift card that you can use to buy almost anything you want 
we've given away thousands of those. Um, and we have a, actually a whole corporate deal with Amazon that we're, we're one of their largest corporate gifters of gift cards, believe it or not. Um, um, and, um, and it works really well. So, um, you know, so, but that's, we've relied heavily on our customers to tell our story because it, it's, it's just, you know, if you're playing T2 and you tell your friend to go play to play T2, that's, that's going to go way further than me telling you to play T2, you know, of course, because we're all, you know, every company is always going to be about self-promotion. Right. And so, but when a customer actually says, Hey, I, I played in this league, I enjoy this league. And here's why I enjoy this league. That's how our story gets told. And we have hundreds of new players coming in every season because of that. Well, it's fun, Joel. And again, going back to, we've been in the same space a long time. And Joel, through the years, has been very kind to share a lot of the behind the things that make T2 special and make it work. As I said, the the loyalty programs that he developed, the fact that one of his business biggest expenditures was mailing these loyalty products to his customers. But the one thing that I have not heard, and this is a cultural phenomenon, that you have created in Atlanta, which Sean will tell you, I try to re- figure out what is the next, is the car magnet. That was genius. It, it literally, it, you know, and then maybe my daughter wasn't in the right space at that time, So, I, but everybody now does a car magnet. You were the first car magnet, and you would see that everywhere. And like you said, there's your customers speaking to the loyalty, but that was that's a cultural phenomenon that was a good idea um, <laughs> i will say um, that was you know one of the we're actually it's kind of funny because we're we actually pulled, we're, we're we just started you um sending out now window stickers instead of car magnets and one of the problems we're having is cars now aren't being made with steel anymore and so because <laughs> so like i went out um it was my um, one of our late one uh, some of the works for us, and he's going. How come you don't have a car magnet on your car? She goes, I don't know. I've just never put one on. So we went out, put it, went out, stuck on the back of her car, and it fell right off. Because <laughs> the back of the car is aluminum, and uh, and so cars aren't made. So there's you know car magnets don't work as well as they used to because of that reason. Because you know people they're not making cars with steel anymore. But so we came out with window stickers. But I'm not sure people are liking them. To be honest with you, as much as the car magnet. So we're gonna. So we're going to continue to put out car magnets and, you know, they can um, put them on the roof or whatever. But yeah, that was a, that was a good idea. It was just basically, um, you know, one time we said, you know what, um, uh, when people win something, let's let them, let's let them be proud about it. And so division winners, car magnets, we started putting out and, um, and they, um, people, you know, were proudly displaying them and it was, it was it turned out to be a, a pretty good decision for us. Well, the bag tag, bag tag is a little more echo chamber, right? We all walk onto the court and we all say, hey, I want a match. Hey, I want a match too. And we're, we're all kind of talking to ourselves. The car magnet is a display everywhere you go. It's fantastic. Yeah. All right, Sean. So I think he's set up. Now I want to see, now I ask him where we go in the future. Now I'm interested in what the future holds. When I think about the future, I, you know, I always think about the present, which is, um, you know, continue to do a good job. You know, I, I think. You know, I think our software and scheduling and all that stuff, you know, like we're, it's kind of, um, we're scheduling our spring league today, actually, or um, this week. And so, which starts next week. 
um, the amount of detail that we go through to make sure people have, because the when we schedule people, that's ultimately the product, right? That's what gets delivered to them. We do painstaking detail to make sure that every single person out there um, has got the is the best that we can make it. Is that you know we've done the best that we can do. We have all sorts of little tools in our software that you know that says you know have we done the best that we can do and we have a great review process and the staff everyone that, that does that puts that together is the best that we can do is it always perfect no sometimes no because we don't you know we have to we want to fit another person in that's maybe a little bit further than we would like or that type of thing but generally speaking but i but i can assure you that when we put out our schedules it has been worked the best best possible for every single player you know, and the other thing that I think we do a pretty good job of is customer service. You know, we, um, we, we, you know, we have our customers communicate with via email and that works because of the sheer volume of, of different people that we have to deal with on different issues. Um, you know, a lot of issues that we deal with with players and customers is, is emotional. And email is a great, is a great way to diffuse the emotion um, and, and provide, you know, um, a response back to them you know we get sometimes as much as i know we've had as much as two thousand emails a day coming into our customer service teams and they answer every one of them um and so and we'll answer every one of them pretty quickly so um you know i think that that's one of the things and if, if our customers have questions or concerns or comments you know we get we get positive comments as well sometimes into our um, um it's not always it's not always complaining about the other team or whatever but um you know um we like to hear from them and that's we we learn a lot from you know when you talk about uh, we we almost get a survey almost every day from our players right about um, because just because of um, the response or the, the questions that come into us. Um, so anyway, so I think those are two couple things that are pretty, you know, customer service, producing our scheduling the amount of detail that we put into that, the amount of effort we put into it, our people, our staff and our people and myself, we all care. We care about what our customers think. We care about that they have a good experience and we care about um, that they continue to have a good experience. And if they do that, you know, that's the future. Right. Um, like I said, we're rewriting some software. We're doing some mobile friendly stuff. We've got a couple of um, initiatives that um, 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 will be a couple software enhancements, stuff coming from players, et cetera, that we're working on. And so, you know, that's that's the core of T2 and um, and, um, and, and continuing to do what we're doing. We're we're working on. Some growth markets, like I said, we opened Philadelphia last year, so that that, that takes a pretty you know we're, we're fairly limited staff, so it's not like you know I have a this huge this huge staff of people that says we can go swarm a, a whole new market and um, et cetera. So, um, but that's 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 what we we continue to do. I'm gonna answer I'm gonna answer one question that everybody asked me that you guys will probably ask me. Um, so my next question, go ahead. Is pickleball. pickleball. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask that, so I'm going to answer it ahead of time. We're a tennis league. We, 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 you know, we've looked at it. We think about it. We, we toss it around um, um, here and there. But at the end of the day, we're a tennis league and we do tennis really well. And tennis, by the way, is, is, is strong. It's going, it's, it's doing well. I mean, I know that art, you know, since, um, since COVID, um, you know, uh, 
the T2 product as we've grown, um, um, we continue to grow and we can, you know, so that's, that's kind of what we do. Pickleball is not played the same way T2 is played. Is pickleball is a group gets together, you play pickup or you, you, you play a round robin type match and then you go home and play. That's not how T2 is played. And so there, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, and so, and so our, we look at it, we think about it, but at the end of the day, we always kind of come back to, you know what, we're a tennis league and that's what we do and we do it well and we're going to continue to do it well. Um, pickleball is a great product. It's a great sport. I mean, I get the attraction of pickleball. It's easy to play. It's easy to learn. It's quick. It's, it's fun, um, but it's a different product than what we do. If that makes sense. So, um, so if I you read that, my mind, so that that I guess a lot of jokes there it doesn't take long. I understand, yeah. uh, but so, but no, you're you're exactly right. I think in in this take it from a different angle because I always people ask me, well, you know, what do you have? What's wrong with you? Know, what would you say if you had something to complain about T two? My complaint always goes back to I truly believe when we met and this success, I thought you'd someday be the tournament director of what let's say truest and you know the sky was the limit and you sit there so i think it's it's out of respect and admiration that here's a company that did something so well we want you to go into other things and do that equally well other places so you know it's it's a backhanded compliment when people say well why aren't you doing pickleball well because we want you to because you've done this so well that's the expectation. That's what we want to deal with. Same thing with the tournaments. Like I said, I always, I said, Joel's going to be the tournament director. If he wants to be, he will be the tournament director someday. And, you know, it didn't matter. Well, you said why. And obviously you're hugely successful. Why would you want to take on something even? But, you know, it's, it, it, I think it's a, it's a compliment, really. Everything you've done is so well that we want you to do more. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> but, you know, we do what we do well. And, you know, like I said a minute ago, we're, we're a fairly small company. You know, we're, um, we're limited in, you know, in, in staff and what we do. And so, and I like it that way, to be honest with you. I like, you know, when we hire people and I, I you know, you can go talk to some of our staff sometime, but, um, you know, I, I've always said to them is um, who the person is that works for us is more important than, than their, sometimes than even their skill level. We can teach you the job. <clears throat> What's important to us is, do we want to work with you? Do we want you as part of our team? And we, we, we emphasize that all the time because we're a, a small group, pretty close, talk to each other all the time. You know, we have to live with each other, if you will. Um, and so that's always been important to us. And so, um, um, you know, Anyway, so, um, but that's, you know, we're, we're in the tennis business and that's what, that's, you know, the space that we're good at, we know it. And if, if you try to expand and, and go off into different directions that you, you know, um, I think I, you, I just, you know, I came out of a big corporate world and you see it, you see people trip up, trip up over themselves all the time by not sticking to what they do and do well. So that's just one of my philosophies. Plus, I'm getting old and tired, and I can't do it. <laughs> so, there's only so much I can do as well. And that grant is going to get worse once they start really walking and running. For I have a three-year-old, and forget it. He, all yeah. he, all I do is chase him. So yeah. he just started crawling. So um, 
Yeah. You got you got about another year before it really gets interesting. Right. <laughs> well, Bobby, you were asking about, I think, a conversation. Bobby, you had a question about Atlanta specifically from Joel's Joel's opinion about the uniqueness of Atlanta. Was there something there you wanted to talk to him about? I mean, he can speak on if you want. I, I, you know, if you listen, I think he's, it, it's obviously the density of the number of players contributes. What? Let me take from a different standpoint, Joel. Outside of that, what what do you see in the tennis experience for your players outside? I mean, obviously, Florida is similar that I would imagine predominantly HOA driven. What, what what my I'm alert. You know, Sean's talking about is the difference we see nationwide between how it's so HOA driven here. As opposed to as you go to the Northeast, it's more clubs and a a lot of these leagues and stuff are that role is fulfilled by the club other places. Yeah, actually, Florida is a lot more club than you think about it than you think as well. Um, But Atlanta is totally unique. Um, And it's um, probably the closest that I've seen to Atlanta in Charlotte a little bit and Denver, believe it or not, where we operate leagues in Denver as well. There's a lot more neighborhood type tennis but even in like for example even in denver um the the neighborhood the neighborhoods will be more like a windward where there's uh, where there's they maybe have 10 15 courts in a big neighborhood and maybe neighborhoods around them will share some um, a, a little bit larger facility but the two four six court neighborhoods um with two four six six tennis courts in, in every in every neighborhood is very unique to Atlanta. Um, it's, I don't think there is another city that's like that. And this will this will this will be interesting. This will take. This goes back years and years ago. I was traveling to. I don't remember it was. It was another city where we were expanding to, and we were going around and doing our marketing show and talking to people and all that kind of stuff. And I was sitting in the hotel in the morning, and I got a real estate brochure, right. And I said, what's the difference between, I was with um, somebody that worked for us, I said, what's the difference between this brochure here and Atlanta? So we were paging through it. And it basically the brochure was all about the houses. Our houses, nicer bedrooms and better this and better that and that type of thing. And in the back corner of the magazine or the last page or something, there was this little tiny blurb about amenities. It says, oh, by the way, we've got, a, we've got an amenity package, it's this type of thing. And when you looked at a, looked at an Atlanta brochure, this was back 20 years ago, the entire brochure was about the amenities. We have the best, we have a new pool, we have this, we have swim, we have tennis, we have all these amenities. And oh, by the way, we sell houses as well, you know. (laughs) And that was completely the difference in a different market, in a different city than Atlanta was. Atlanta, you know, it was interesting that swim and tennis kind of dictated how real estate was developed in the city, um, you know, 20 years ago. And, and that's not the same. That's not the case in other in other markets. If that makes sense. So it's very unique. You know, we I'll give you an example in Denver, which is eh, not too much smaller than Atlanta. Um, it's, it's in a similar size. Um, um, we're played in probably about every tennis facility in Denver, and it's about a hundred. There's about a hundred different um, courts that facilities that um, that T2 has played on in Denver. Atlanta is like fifteen hundred. Um, and so, I mean, there's, I think we, we schedule people on something like, um, 1500 different courts in the Atlanta metro area. So that gives you, and I said, Denver is probably one of the cities that's most like Atlanta in the swimming neighborhood. So it's a 10th, 
there's a tenth the number maybe you know maybe the courts I don't know for sure the exact court count but um, but numbers of facilities is probably ten percent is what there is in Atlanta so that gives you, a, you know, an interesting statistic. Well, and, and you mentioned the amenities, and that's that's a good segue. We were having a conversation. I say we, my wife and my stepdaughter, on the way home, and we were talking about pickleball, and we we're talking about tennis, and I was talking about the conversation coming up with you. We weren't sure. I think everybody's kind of dancing around the pickleball question right now. And my stepdaughter looks up. She's 22, graduated Duke, big brain on the girl. She says, "Sean, we've got a pickleball court right behind our house in the neighborhood." Our brand new neighborhood put in two two tennis courts and a pickleball court. I think we have our sign. I think we have what, what's what the what the direction of the of the area is right there next to our house because they threw in a dedicated pickleball court. I think that says something. But if that's pickleball is a fast growing. I think I heard once where they say it's the fastest growing activity in the. Um, in, yeah. in the country, etc. It's a you know it's a good product and it's 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 you know it's I, I get the like I said I get the attraction of 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 the the sport um, um, and it will can probably to continue to do well. I don't think right now the league participation in pickleball leagues has matured yet. Agreed. Um, and and because because there, there's that 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 is is still kind of being figured out again today pickleball is you know there's a group in my neighborhood here we converted one of our courts to um, a pickleball court as well and um and you know there's a group they get together they play one night a week they all show up they play around robin i played with them a couple times but they play around robin it's very social and then they leave um some of the guys actually went and participated in a league that play in our round robin and they, it just it just didn't work out very well for them um it was different it just was uh, it just wasn't quite matured yet so the, i think the whole pickleball league concept is still being figured out but the participation in pickleball is doing really well yeah i think we'll let atlanta we'll let alta figure out they just came out with their pickleball league we'll let alta test that so if they can if they can figure it out that's fine we'll all watch Right. Uh, but it, but at some point I need to I need to jump into my question. You said you'd already put some thought into my king of tennis question, <laughs> but I'm I'm curious if if Joel, the 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 founder of T2, the guy who figured out the uniqueness of Atlanta, and tell me if I'm blowing too much smoke. But the guy who figured it out is there a, is there something you would do if you were king of tennis? Is there something you would do or change whether it's Atlanta or anywhere in the world about tennis? In general, um, one thing comes to mind when we we, talk about, we started to talk about this is I would if I was the king of tennis and I could get all of you tennis pro types out there <laughs> um, in in one session and convince you is I would get juniors kids playing more recreational tennis um, and. Um, you know, I just think back, you know, of course, now here, here, here we go back to, you know, when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> you know when I, when we walked uphill both ways and eight feet of snow to, to school and all that kind of stuff. Um, um, but, you know, I played tennis with my friends all the time. That's what we would do. We would literally walk to the tennis courts, go play, and we'd play for a whole afternoon. You know, we would play some games, we'd do sets, sometimes we do, but we played recreationally with each other. And this isn't, just tennis, by the way. This is kids, junior, um, 
sports in total. We've gotten into this, um, 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 I'll call it um, camp um, mentality, um, where and the, one of the frustrations or one of the things that I see with with juniors, and it's not just tennis; it's all sports. Is the special is specialization. I'm either going to go get really good or we're going to quit, and there's no in between. And um, and so what I would like to see if I was king of tennis would be let's get kids playing tennis more for fun, just recreational. Go out. You don't have to go um, be the best kid all the time, but you can go play play recreationally and have fun. And I think tennis is a good sport for that for kids, you know. But again, I'm, I'm I know tennis, and I, that's that's where I grew up. Is and it's the same in football. It's the same in basketball that we get in this mentality that we're going to go to drill camp. We're going to go to um, we're going to go specialize in these sports, and we're going to we're going to run our kids um, hard, 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 chasing the the college scholarship or whatever, and they don't have fun. And what I see in tennis is, and this is one of the one of the challenges that we have for the future of the sport, is kids will go to about twelve or fourteen years old, and they and they. Um, you know, and if they don't get go, get get on the really good path, then they just quit playing. They don't. There's no in between, and um, and so, and I think that's going to hurt our sport years down the road. So if I was king of tennis, I would get kids playing tennis more recreational, just having fun, um, and not, you know, they don't have to go to the, um, you know, the, you know, the five hours a day drill sessions all the time. And that's one of the things I would like to see us as a tennis community promote. That's that's my that's that's the number one thing. I see it happening in adults sometimes. There's a lot of a lot of new adults that are picking up the game, and um, and and it's you know it's hard to do as an adult. And I, I give you, I give credit for that. And I think T two is a good product for people learning the learning the game um, out um, 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 for the first timers and that type of thing. But I'd love to see us spend more time with, with the juniors just uh, promoting the game as a as a as a place to have fun, a place to enjoy, you know, get out and um, and play recreational tennis. It's not it doesn't have to always be about, you know, I'm going to I'm going to be what's my ranking. Well, there you have it. We want to thank Rejuvenate.com for use of the studio and be sure to hit that follow button. For more tennis-related content, you can go to atlantatennispodcast.com. And while you're there, check out our calendar of tennis events, deals on equipment, apparel, and more. And you should feel good knowing that shopping at letsgotennis.com helps support this show. You can also donate directly using links in the show notes. And with that, we're out. See you next time.